0: You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us.
1: Shocking, ridiculous, suspicious, and fun. Welcome to the Perf Fire's Club. You'll hear four stories, three of them true. But one of the suspects is lying to you question and point the finger laugh out loud if you catch the liar you can brag and be proud L-I-A-R perfect liars club liar perfect liars club
2: hey 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 friends and lovers this is Kara. hey
3: this is pierce
2: and we are so excited today to bring you the first ever drum roll Perfect Liars Club podcast with Goat Rodeo.
3: That's right. We've got a podcast now, and we are super excited.
2: We think it's maybe step two or three on our path to everlasting fame and infamy and millions of dollars and big houses on the beach.
3: Kara, what is Perfect Liars Club? So,
2: Perfect Liars Club is a storytelling show. It features four storytellers. Three of them are telling true stories and one is telling a lie. That's the kicker for our show. And the audience interrogates all four suspects to determine who is the liar and they vote and they always, always, always get it wrong, which is, I think, why Donald Trump is president not to make like an enormous leap here, but I'm pretty sure that's
3: it. Right. But there's a chance the audience at this particular show you're about to hear got it right. Did they get it right or did they get it wrong? You're going to have to listen to the very end of this show to find out.
2: So- Let's tell the people, how does a perfect Liars Club show work? Number one, one of us gets up, we co-host, we switch out who has hosting duties, and we do a little crowd warm up.
3: and then? So then we introduce the storytellers in alphabetical order, and then the order of the storytellers for the night is determined by pulling their names out of a hat, and there's so better a way of saying that.
2: And then the storytellers come up, one by one, and they tell their story, and we come up in between and say, oh, did you hear that story? What do you think? I hope you took notes. I hope you took notes
3: we take an intermission and everyone goes and drinks a beer or two and then dig this the audience gets to ask the storytellers questions about their stories
2: and then we take a vote we ask the audience to cast their vote for who they think the liar is
3: one vote only
2: and then we say will the real perfect liar please step forward and there's a drum roll there's a drum roll just like that and then everyone kind of pretends they're going to step forward and then the real liar steps forward and then the audience goes oh my god I can't believe I got it wrong. I moved to D.C. to be the smartest person in the room, and I lost.
3: Yeah, people go pretty berserk.
2: Tonight, you're going to hear from Michael, Amy, Jessica, and Scott, who told stories at our season opener back in September.
3: Enjoy the stories, and we'll see you at the break.
1: L-I-A-R. Perfect
2: Liars Club. Ladies and gentlemen, he was a fast machine. He kept his motor clean. He's the best damn MC that you've ever seen. Please welcome to the stage, Pierce McManus.
3: Uh, Do you guys want to meet tonight's storytellers? No, really, do you guys want to meet tonight's storytellers? Up first is Amy. She's doing it, doing it, and doing it well. She's followed by Jessica. She's the author of Cage, and she's writing The Next Fifty Shades. We've also got Michael, a financial advisor by day, a storyteller and improviser by night. And last, but certainly not least, he's a former baby and a future ghost. (laughs) Put your hands together for Scott. All right, thank you so much. Give it up for your storytellers tonight, and let's turn it over to
4: Michael. Okay, so this happened about 25 years ago. I was determined to marry the girl I lost my virginity to. <laughs> uh, I was in China then, and I just got a scholarship to come over to the U.S. to study mathematics. And if I didn't marry her then, once I come over, I wouldn't be able to see her again. So I was determined to do that before I, I, I left. Uh, the uh, there's one problem though, like getting married in China is not as straightforward as getting married in the US. I have to uh, go to the Department of Civil Affairs uh, to apply for a marriage certificate. And once I get the certificate, it is done. There's no need for a, for a religious figure to officiate that. Uh, but, but actually you need to apply for the certificate, it's not like you go there and they give it to you. There are three requirements for the certificate. One is that you need to bring along a letter of introduction from your human resources,
1: <laughs>
4: which we did. It's, uh, it's straightforward enough, we, we got a letter of introduction from human resources and, and that we take care of it easily. The second requirement is that you need to take an emergency sex education because back then uh, China was basically like, like Saudi Arabia without the religion. It's a very puritanical society where any mention of sex is frowned upon. And there's absolutely no nudity or pornography in any media. It was totally banned and there was no sex education to speak of. So there are plenty of young men and women at marriage age who has no idea what sex is. And who may not even know what the uh, the, the opposite sex, who may not even see uh, the body of the opposite sex. So th- th- this, this emergency sex education is actually quite needed. Ex- <laughs> except for us, like me and my girlfriend, we have done that many times, so. <laughs> so it was like, so so it's like 15, 16 of us, 15 of us actually, because my girlfriend didn't go at that time, were let into a studio-like room, maybe slightly bigger than about this size, about this room, with very thick curtain, so that no light can come in, and also nobody standing outside the room can see what's going on inside the room. we were let inside the room, there are a row of chairs, we we're, were told to sit down, the ch- sit down on the chairs, and on the wall, there was a boxy TV, and a VCR, okay? And then the, uh, the city clerk bring this precious tape. <laughs> and then he popped it into the VCR, turned off the, light, turned off the light, and he went out the room. And we began to watch what I best describe as communist porn. It was basically a man and a woman uh, dressing in mouse suit uh, with a very, very serious expression, a solemn and serious expression. Uh, they began to take off their clothes one piece, piece by piece until they were totally naked. Uh, and over their actions were a voice curator explaining what's going on there. So that the audience know what's going on, because we really have no crew. Um, and as I was focusing my attention on learning this new knowledge, I can hear some heavy breathing. And I was sure it was not from the TV, because cause the men and women look very serious. They barely look like they're breathing at all. They look very serious, would not even. So I was sure that this come from someone, some girl, actually, who's sitting in the room. And then, a few minutes later, the, uh, the video moved on and they, the woman began to lie. She was totally naked, right? She lie on the bed with her legs spread apart and the man climbed on top of her and they began to perform, have sex, <laughs> in a missionary style, as the, uh, the curator explained. And I can hear that there's this heavy breathing has turned into this suppressed moaning. Like uh, uh. it's like suppressed moaning, like, like someone was trying to push really hard down. I was trying to focus on watching the TV and this is really distracting. Okay. It's like take my attention away from this serious learning. And I couldn't help but like squinting my eye and s- trying to find out who was the perpetrator in the room, but the room was so dark I couldn't figure out who, who she was. And then the, uh, the, the actors or the, uh, the TV uh, went on and, and then they began to do it, they changed their position and they began to do it in the doggy style.
1: <laughs>
4: and now the morning has become really loud. It's like, oh, oh, it was seriously, seriously loud. It's like, and then it stopped. And then stop. So we sit there and we, uh, we finished the videos. We didn't know how, how, how much time it took. We finished the videos, the light was turned on. I looked around and I was trying to see who was that girl who just had an orgasm. <laughs> I couldn't see anybody because everybody has a very serious face. <laughs> everybody was serious, okay, and all pretend nothing had happened. So we left the room. The, the city clerk put a stamp on our form that said, "Pass." So apparently we passed our emergency sexual education. <laughs> well, two down and one to go. The last requirement is to uh, undergo a eugenic physical exam to make sure that you know you have the right adequate equipment to produce a healthy baby. So when I stepped into the examination room. I was surprised to see it was not a doctor, the examiner was not a doctor, in white coat. He was wearing this uh, army's uniform, but without the insignia. An army uniform without insignias. And right there, I knew that he was uh, the listed soldier. He gestured me to come in front of her, in front of him, to walk towards him, so I, I walked towards him to the point that he was like sitting, facing my belly. And then he ordered me to pull down my pants. That was extremely awkward and painful because I've never exposed myself up to that point like less than five people. (laughs) My father, my grandfather, my mother, my grandmother, and my girlfriend. That's all, and then now I'm gonna expose myself to this stranger who wear this uniform, uh, soldier's uniform. But I was so determined to get my marriage certificate that I, I grudgingly obliged, and I put on my pants and stand there. He slowly put on a white glove and began to toy with my sack. <laughs> After he done toy with that, he took out a ruler and began to m- measure my flaccid penis, and I, I cringe, and I can feel that the penis was trying to crawl back into my belly. And after he's done, after he's done humiliating me, he uh, took out a pen and write on my form two testicles and one inch. <laughs> At that point, I was really worried that I might not have the, the adequate equipment to, uh, to, to get a license, to get a certificate. But much to my relief, he put a stamp on it. They said, pass. So with these two passes, I was able to get my marriage certificate and I legally married my future ex-wife in China. Thank you.
3: I haven't, I haven't heard these stories. Kara's coach the storyteller, so uh, we're really coming out of the gate swinging here tonight. <laughs> you know what's something that's uh, never been said on a uh, Perfect Liars Club stage is, uh, he's never, me- <laughs> he, and then he measured my flaccid penis. <laughs> and you probably won't hear that again. At least I don't think you're going to hear that in Amy's story. Give it up for our next storyteller. Amy! <laughs>
5: Everybody. so I'm on the phone with this match.com guy and this is not a high point in my life it's not a high point in anybody's life no one's high-fiving because they're on like they're winning so much because they're on match.com am I right I'm sorry did I hurt someone's feelings everybody's feelings in the crowd they're like I'm on match.com and I thought I was winning Let's just say it wasn't a high point in my life, but I was on the phone with this guy and I wanted to be open-minded, and I'm efficient, so I was like, let's meet. And this guy starts to hem and haw a little, and he's taking his time, and I am th- I don't know why, and he says, well, you know, I probably can't see you for another week or two, and I don't give a fuck when I see this guy. I'm just triaging here. I just want to get through this process, see if I like him, and then move on. And so uh, I'm gonna tell you what he says next, but I need you to know that this is information he completely volunteered. I didn't ask for more information. I didn't need more information. So this is an independent choice he made to say this. Well, I have cold sores. I have cold sores and I need a couple weeks for them to heal before we meet up. Really, dude? Really? You had so many choices. You could be like, I'm working. I have a really hard work week coming up. I'm going away. You could tell me you're going to a Magic the Gathering convention for all I care. But the one thing you definitely should not say is that you have a flare up of cold sores. And then, as I'm contemplating what to say to this dude, in, in, in the uh, moment of this epic bad judgment, this motherfucker says, well, just so you know, it's only on my mouth. <laughs> A low point just got lower. I hang up, I'm despondent. I'm like, this, is this, how did it get to this point? <laughs> it, 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 is this my rock bottom? I don't know. So I get online again and there's a pop-up ad. Actually, I don't remember what I was looking at and I don't know, it was back in the time where there were pop-up ads, but this ad comes up and it's like, are you single? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, yes. I mean, maybe I was on like crocs.com or recipes for one. I don't know, but Google knew. And then it says, it asks, are you lonely? I think about that call, I look at my unshaved legs, I check out the box of uh, mac and cheese I just polished off by myself in 10 minutes, and I'm like, yeah, I am lonely. So I click the ad, it takes me to a form, I fill out the form. This was in like a match post-mortem haze uh, that I end up doing this. So I fill this thing out and I get a call, like a ring ring call. And I answer the phone and there's this very perky voice and she says, hi, is this Amy? This is Tiffany from perfect match of uh, perfect partners dating service oh no what have i done there's something like i i done all the online sites and some something seemed fine about that but something seemed just wrong about a dating service it seemed like a 70s porn setup it seemed like i would just be like set up with guys with hairy chests named larry that have like an eight track collection of doobie brothers you know, like, it just seemed wrong, it just seemed outdated, Why, and is, do, I, do I really need a service, a dating service? So I, I kind of panic, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize what I was doing, this, I don't need this, this is not what I want, I'm not interested. And she says, are you sure? Because I think we can help you, and there's no obligation. I said, look, I don't need help, goodbye, hang up. Next day I have another date from Match, with James, at CoSy. We at Cosi, where he used to work, which is the only thing he's talking about. And as he drones on about, like, w- the w- origins of the wood they use, I-, I don't know. My mind wanders, and I start to think, you know, he's nice. He's really sweet, but he's so boring. And then I think, he's so sweet. I wonder if he's ever been called an asshole. And I think, that's interesting. I feel like that would make for an interesting conversation. (laughs) At which point I turn to him and I say, hey, have you ever been called an asshole? And he goes, pale, because obviously he thinks I am calling him an asshole, but I'm not, it's the exact opposite. I just, I think he's such a nice guy, he probably hasn't, and maybe that would make a good conversation. Right? (laughs) Wrong. So that date's over, I get home and I'm thinking, I am bad at this. Maybe I do need help, but I'm just as bad at dating as the dating pool is for me. So I make an appointment at Perfect Partners Dating Service. And about a week or so later, I I show up. I'm sharing this waiting room with with a middle-aged balding guy with a goatee and an oversized brown suit. It's not promising. And in walks this perky woman. She looks like an overgrown pageant baby with a pencil skirt and a hair up in a bun. And she goes, Well, hello, you must be Amy. I'm Tiffany. Are you ready to find your perfect partner? I will be your compatibility consultant today. <laughs> so I follow her into her office. She sits on one side of the desk, I sit on the other. And I'm. I'm having a lot of doubt here, you know? Like, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't know how this is gonna go. But then she lays into her pitch, and it is so convincing. She throws out words like science and scientists. Like, we have this very scientific process uh, for finding a match, and it's patented. And my ears perk up, I'm like, patented? Are we talking lab coats here? Are we talking, this could be good? No, I seriously start to convince myself well, okay, I think it's because I really wanted, I really wanted it to be something that could work. Like that they have this special knowledge that really just nails the whole dating thing. And if you pay the right price, it'll work. I mean, I, I, I just thought, I, anyway, I just bought into the science idea. And my hopes were getting a little bit higher when she hands me this one pager. And it's full of questions, like a dozen questions. And that's when my hopes are dashed immediately because it's literally straight like they could have ripped a page out of Cosmo. It's like, what what what's important to you? What's most important to you in a relationship? Passion or trust? Like you have to choose, and um, you can't have both. You got to choose one or the other. Uh, what what gets you the most mad when your when your partner talks to their ex or when they leave dirty dishes? And you know, I'm just a couple. I'm, I'm, I'm just a couple questions in, I can't do this. And you know, Tiffany is waiting with bated breath and I just turned around, I was like, Tiffany, I'm sorry. I, I don't wanna waste your time, I can't, I can't do this. this. This is actually, it's not for me. And Tiffany, who is like sunshiny, miss helpful, goes from, well, we're just here to help, to, oh really? She goes stone cold, looks me in the eye and says, really? How are you doing on your own so far? And then she, then she goes in with the, how old did you say you were? Okay, I realize now, Tiffany needs this. It's like her job is dependent on me. Like she hasn't had a client in weeks or months and she needs to nail this one. And, but I don't need this. So I look at Tiffany, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry I wasted your time. I, I don't want to waste any more of your time. Please, I'm just going to go. And then I stand up to go, and she stands up. It's a face-off. And she stands there and she, she puts her arms like this, and she's like, so you want to be single at 40 and 50 And 60, I don't think you're doing such a great job on your own. And I'm like, you're right, I'm not, but I still don't want to be here. And then I try to edge my way. I gotta get around this desk. So I step to the side and I try to like get out. But she actually moves. She like she like moves with me and she's blocking my path. And I'm like, Tiffany, I will throw you down. I didn't say that. But I, I was just like, I need to go, and you need to move, and she finally sighs, rolls her eyes, moves away, I rush out, I go past the old guy sitting there still, I don't know, get to my car, and I take a deep breath. This is pretty bad. This is, this is a lower point than I started at uh, before I got here. But then I, I thought about it, I was like, you know, What did that guy say? It would take two weeks for the cold sore to heal?
3: Oh, online dating, fun, right? Fun, fun, yeah? Smattering of applause. Who is here on a date, either date one or date two? Who wants to admit <laughs> that you're on a date? Because dating is a lot like Perfect Liars Club. You you have to ask a lot of questions. You have to listen very closely. And most importantly, you need to figure out if that person is lying. So, did that really happen? Did Amy have that tragic matchmaker experience? Ooh, there's a lot of good question opportunities there in that story, but... Don't dwell too much on that one, because you've got another storyteller coming up. Put your hands together for Jessica. Just a wee bit.
6: I am good at my job. I mean, no matter what job it is I am doing, I am good at it. Someone just went sexual, I think. That was a little weird. Um, <laughs> So, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, my job was to be a production assistant in the feature film industry in New York City. And I was so good at my job that after just working on a few movies, I got a promotion. It was not a financial promotion, it was a title promotion. I got promoted to first team PA. And you can tell by that title, that's like the best job, right? It's got first in the title. Now the first team, in case you don't know, are the actors. And I mean like the real actors, the one with lines, I mean background, they had their own PA. Now I was in charge of the stars of the movie. And you can imagine that might come with some unique challenges. So my job was to get the stars to set, right? Sounds easy enough, but sometimes you had to like motivate them to go to work uh, and to make sure that they knew what scenes we were shooting that day and to make sure that hair and makeup and wardrobe knew what scenes we were shooting that day. So everyone, the whole first team was prepared and ready and got to set in the right order, the right hair, and the right wardrobe. So, you would think working with actors who get paid a lot of money to have fun all day would be easy, like they'd want to do their job, but no, you had to do things to motivate them to be happy, like, you know, things within the law, um, like get them a good cappuccino or a kale wheatgrass shake. Um, and, and for the most part, again, I was good at that, but some actors were a little bit more challenging than others, and, and the most challenging actor I'm gonna see if you guys can figure out who I'm talking about. Uh, I worked on this movie. It, was, uh, it took place in the Bronx at a, at a boys' uh, high school, like a, you know a Catholic high school. And the main actor played a warm-hearted, but tough Catholic priest who was working hard to get these boys a brighter future. Now remember, this is the late 90s. What actor immediately springs to mind when you hear the terms tough, but warm-hearted priest? De Niro, that's close. Anyone else? Sean Penn. Sean Penn, oh, you guys are terrible at this. None of you will ever be casting agents in uh, in Hollywood. No, of course, I am talking about Mickey Rourke. <laughs> right? I mean, he's perfectly cast in this role. Now, it was a really low-budget, independent, TNT movie called Thicker Than Blood, and uh, Mickey Rourke was probably the most challenging actor I've ever worked with. Now, he was nice, he was never mean to me, but let me tell you, as, as I said, my job was to like get the actors to set, and that seems simple. But every day for three weeks, we were shooting at this abandoned school in the Bronx, and every day for three weeks, Mickey's bus was parked on the same spot, and every day for three weeks, all he had to do was walk off the bus turn left and go 50 feet to get into the school and yet somehow every day he would just start wandering off and i'd have to be like no hey mickey it's today we're over here like just today and yesterday and the day before we're over here and i'd have to kind of entice him to go to set but it got worse mickey had to work with a an hairstylist and, and the wardrobe person, as actors do, but he did not want anyone touching his hair. And I don't know if anyone has seen Mickey Rourke's hair, but he has sort of a Elvis bouffant, right? And he uses a lot of gel. I think gel is like too soft a word. It's more like a pomade. So already, it's not really the best look, in my opinion, for a Catholic priest. But uh, But the worst part is that, you know, On movies, sometimes you have to turn the camera around or you have to move scenes, and when you do, there's a break for lighting. Sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's five hours. And during that break, Mickey would go back to the bus and take a nap. And I know this because after, when he stepped off the bus to go back to set, he'd be wearing a sort of half mohawk thing. And again, he didn't let the hairstylist touch his hair. And I think that was a slightly less good look for a Catholic priest. But the hairstylist was like, do whatever you want, you're the star, my hands are clean. But it got worse. For wardrobe, for a priest, it's really very simple. White collar, black suit, right? Every day, Mickey would arrive on set, he'd go into the bus, he'd put on his priest outfit like an actor should, and then he'd walk to set eventually. But at the end of the day, he did not go to the bus and take off his wardrobe like an actor should. Instead, he got into the car and drove off with the Teamster still wearing his priest outfit. And since this was a low-budget movie, and since Mickey never returned to set bringing any of those priest outfits, Well, let me just put it this way. If you want to really torture yourself, I recommend Googling this movie, it's called Thicker Than Blood, and watching it, which would be even worse, and see if you can spot the moment about halfway through the movie when we ran out of priest outfits (laughs) and wardrobe threw their hands up and said, you know what, Mickey, just wear whatever you want. Which, as it turns out, Pretty much every day was some variation of a blue velour jumpsuit. (laughs) But then the worst thing imaginable happened. There came the day where I failed to be able to legally make Mickey happy, and he refused altogether to walk to set. I had to call the producer, which is always a bad thing for me, and say, Mickey won't come out of his bus, so Michael, the producer, went into the bus, and the uh, the bus started rocking, so I did not go knocking, and about 15 minutes later, Michael stepped off the bus, looking about 20 years older, muttering under his breath, and he said, Get me a Teamster. So I called the Teamster captain, and the Teamster captain, and, and Michael had this little conference, and they arranged to try to get Mickey what it was that he needed to be happy, what it was that he needed to return to work. Now, it was the middle of the night, the middle of the Bronx, but the Teamsters scattered to the four corners. And these guys are good at their job. About an hour later, one of them came back carrying the package. And he handed it off to me and I took it very gently and I I walked up to the bus and I knocked on the door. And when Mickey saw what I had in my arms, oh, he was so happy and filled with joy at the sight of his new chihuahua. (laughs) And yes, he did indeed go back to work that night. And he did finish that movie and yes, I am good at my job, (laughs) even if it is fucking stupid.
3: That's Jessica, Mickey Rourke, huh? Did Jessica meet Mickey Rourke? Is Mickey Rourke like chihuahuas? Did that movie even get made? All types of questions that you can ask during the interrogation round. We've got one more storyteller left. His name is Scott. You should applaud now.
0: All right. It is Friday night, and I am sitting in a basement dive bar across from a beautiful woman, and I could not be happier. I'd been on a losing streak lately, uh, not having luck with the dates, and I had matched with Michelle a few days earlier on Tinder. And since then, we had been exchanging uh, direct messages. I was getting lots of uh, LOLs and LMAOs and new emojis. I didn't have any idea what they meant, but they they seemed to be positive. And I was really excited about this. Her her profile was um, different than the others. Every picture, she had a new outfit on and a different haircut, maybe even a different hair color. And, and when she showed up to meet me, she looked even better in person than she did in her pictures. That never happens. So I had her meet me at, uh, at this dive bar. And the reason is uh, very simple. First, I kind of want to manage expectations. And I feel like um, if she can come here and have a good time in this, it's kind of a shithole. Then I can take her anywhere and we'd have a good time as well. But the main reason that I brought her to this place is because... This is a karaoke bar, and I am probably one of the greatest karaokeist in the continental United States. No. Now, I realize this is subjective, I get that, but if you are having an honest discussion about karaoke and you don't bring my name up, it, it, you're not being honest with yourself,
1: <laughs> right?
0: And to be honest, this is kind of a uh, part of my uh, animal mating ritual. I mean, we all know that you, uh, you karaoke like you fuck, right? <laughs> And so, I'm gonna put it all out there, and uh, if there's any kind of doubts or questions she might have, this will probably clear it all up. So we're sitting down at a table, and I mean, she's gorgeous. She's got uh, peanut butter skin, it's, it's that complexion, and smooth, and great big eyes, and um, kind of a cool haircut. And we're talking, and it's going really well, and I can't even believe it. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're bonding on uh, pop culture stuff. We have some professional um, crossover. Shit is going well. Um, I have to go to the bathroom, so I excuse myself, I go to the bathroom, I go to the bar to get a few more drinks. I come back to the table, and there's another guy sitting at the table. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) So I approach, I sit down, and, and Michelle says, hey Scott, this is my friend David, I just ran into him. You don't mind if he hangs out for a bit, do you? Do I mind if some other dude shows up on my date and kicks it and ruins the vibe that I've already curated? Do I mind that? Yeah, but I say to her, you know what? Any friend of Michelle's is a friend of mine. So we're sitting there and you know, David is uh, he's about my complexion, he's a skinny dude. Uh, he's wearing this terrible blue blazer with gold buttons. He looks like a, like a bellhop or something. But the thing that's, that's glaring to me, he has a, a square patch of hair above his top lip. He has, it, it's, a, it's an Adolf Hitler mustache. And the only reason why I'm sure he gets away with it is because he's black, and I'm sure this is like, this is the only instance of black privilege I can think of. And he is absolutely abusing it. Anyway, so the conversation um, kind of drifts from what was uh, Michelle and Scott, now it's just David and David, right? And I, and I feel like he's throwing shade at me as he's talking, kind of kind of one-up me. We're talking, it turns out he's an attorney as well. He asked me where I went to school, and I said, I went to you know, Howard, and he says, oh, well, I was, I got in there, but I decided to go to a better school. It's like, oh, okay, good for you. I'm sure your parents are very proud of you. Um, and then this goes on, and then apparently, uh, David has written a book. David has written a novel about who gives a fuck,
1: <laughs>
0: but he feels like we need to know about this. And so he goes on, he goes on, um, Eventually, he excuses himself, goes to the bar to get another drink, and Michelle leans in. He, I don't even have to say anything. She says, hey, thank you for being cool about David. He's going to leave in a little bit, and uh, we'll have some time to kind of you know, keep talking, just the two of us. And she also kind of touches my leg when she does that, so I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> David comes back from the bar, and he's got drinks for the table. He makes, makes sure that we know they're top shelf. Uh, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate it. A few minutes later, the, uh, the bartender comes by and he brings a bunch of appetizers, like chicken fingers and, and, uh, and french fries and shit. And, he's, and David's like, turns to me and he says, hey man, if you want to keep a pretty lady like this, you've got to take her to a nicer spot, you know? And you, at least you've got to feed her. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? The last thing I need from this guy are love lessons right here, right? And I want to I punch him in his fucking Hitler mustache right then and there. But instead I think to myself, you know what? I'm going to put his cock blocking, bullshitting ass in check right now. I excuse myself, I come back and I say, David, I just entered us into karaoke. You've got three songs to figure out what you're gonna do. (laughs) And I could see the look of kind of uh, panic on his face a little bit. I'm like, hey man, you know, it's just, it's a few people. It's probably eh, roughly about this many people in the room. Like it's, it's no big deal, right? You can handle it. And Michelle kind of exits on. She's like, "Yeah, I'd love to see you, see you up there too." I say, "Okay." Um, and I'm like, "I got his ass." The, the DJ calls David up, and he gets up, and he's a, he's a little shaky, a little nervous. He goes up, and the, the song starts playing, and I recognize the '80s synth synth. It is "Oh Sherry" by uh, Steve Perry from from Journey. He went solo and did a whole thing. Anyway, uh, I recognize. And I think to myself, you know, that song that's a, that's an interesting one because it's kind of a, it's a slow and you got to actually be able to sing to do it. But I'm like, he definitely fucked up on this one, right? Piano drops out and there's just, there's just silence before the singing starts. And David walks the mic and he says, you know, you should have been gone, that's the first line, except he sounded really, really good, really fucking good. He was stiff as hell, but as the song went on, he s- sounded better and better. And I'm looking at him, he's taking off that jacket and he's not really skinny, he's actually, looks like he probably goes to the gym a bit and he's a lot taller. He's a lot taller than I expected. And when he gets to the, to the chorus, uh, instead of saying, oh, Sherry, Aww. yeah, he says, oh, Shelly, and he's singing to Michelle. I look over at her, and I'm trying to read her body language. She's definitely, I mean, she's definitely not, um, not hating this. And I'm like, did I just fuck myself? Did I just hand this guy the gun? to shoot me with, right? He gets, he gets done, he gets a, a, a bigger applause than, than, than normal and he walks over, And you know, I'm still sitting, um, and he passes me on the shoulder and he says, good luck, champ, yeah. And right then, all the nervousness and all the doubt, it all washed away. Champ, you're goddamn right, I'm the champ. And luck, that's for someone who is unprepared and untalented, I am neither of those. It's also for someone who doesn't have the perfect song, which I have. I've got the song that it, it, uh, it goes across race, gender, age. I have done this song in five different states. I've done it on a boat, right? I've done it on a goddamn island and each time it has killed, I realized this is my eight mile Eminem moment, right? and I am about to seize it. I walk up to the microphone, point to the DJ, and he knows exactly what to do. That's right. In that moment, I grab the microphone out of the stand. And I say to the the crowd, Washington DC, are you ready? Even though I knew they were not ready. I then start, with a dance attack, kill him with choreography. First off, the running man, followed up by the Roger Rabbit, and then I go into the hammer time, typewriter across, across the front. With precision, I hit the verse right on time. By the time we get to the first chorus, I am standing on a chair, pointing at Michelle and singing to her. The crowd is, people that were interested or now interested, they're up, they're into it. We get to the last chorus, and I command the audience to sing along with me, and they followed that command. <laughs> By the end of the song, I've got a group of uh, three women are dancing behind me. Two are doing the, the kid and play t- kickstep, and one is just just freestyling. And I end up on the ground, uh, on the ground like I'm exhausted, and I am just doing the aha. that part. I am down here. All right, the DJ says, let's give it up for Scott, and the crowd roars. And in that moment, I know that I have won, right? And to the victor go the spoils. I'm going to pick myself up up off this nasty-ass floor, walk back to that table, tell Michelle, hey, listen, let's get out of here. Let's go someplace else where we can talk alone, a bar, or let's go back to your place because my place is a
1: mess.
0: (laughs) I get up, I walk to the table, I'm gonna lay it down. I get there, Michelle and David are gone. There was no one at the table. (laughs) Look around, don't see him, hang out for a couple minutes. People are meanwhile are telling me I did a good job at this, during this, this, and uh, I asked the guy at the table next to me, hey, did you see the, um, the, the, the pretty woman I was just with? Did you see where she went? She's like, oh yeah. She left with that guy, but you did a good job. Good job, man. Okay. And I never saw Michelle again. Oh, but wait, 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 it gets worse. I, <laughs> I was done at this point. And so I go to the bar to close out and take my sorry ass home. And in addition to my drinks and Michelle's drinks, David's drinks, and the appetizers were all on my tap. So, yeah, there it is. That, that, I, I wish I had a snappy ending, but that's just it. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Damn, that girl was poison. And so was David. So one more time, round of applause for our storytellers. Remember, we're gonna count it down, we had uh, Michael, communist porn and penis measuring. We had Amy with matchmaker and cold sores. We had Jessica with Mickey Rourke and chihuahuas. And Scott with karaoke cock blocking. So, do you guys think you know who the liar is? I'll take that as a no. One more time, you guys think you know who the liar is? Yeah. Yeah, all right, great. Um, well, point of reference, whole new season, whole new year, we're gonna, uh, Maslow, we're gonna make America spot liars again, because last year, out of the 11 shows that we had, we only saw, uh, spotted two liars, so I think this is the year, this is the year, Washington, you can do it, we're gonna take a short intermission, then we'll be back for the interrogation round, think of those questions, everybody, all right, we'll be back right after this. So this is the part
2: of the podcast where you would hear ads, except it's our first one and we don't have ads yet.
3: No, so we're going to do some shameless plugs on our own behalf uh, in anticipation that uh, some fat cat advertiser is going to fill this spot in the not too distant future. We can also be sponsored
2: for a relatively low price.
3: Yeah, no price tag is too small.
2: If you like what you've heard and you'd like to hear it live, you can catch us the first Wednesday of every month at Beer Baron in DuPont Circle. Old-timer D.C. folks might know it as uh, the old Brick Skeller. It's just as divey and dark as it used to be,
3: but now with stories. And the beer is just as tasty. So coming up is the interrogation round, which for many is even more fun than listening to the stories. You see, during this part of the show, our audience members get to interrogate each and every storyteller with questions about their stories. This
2: is what made me love Perfect Liars Club. i had been telling stories for a little while, and I think that we've really perfected the art of the interrogation. I think our interrogation rounds are totally the best part of the show, and I think the storytellers and the audience would agree.
3: It is super fun, it's super off the cuff. You never know what questions our audience members are going to ask.
2: Ah, well, but you do know what kinds of questions they're gonna ask. Yes. Like?
3: Map questions. Map
2: questions.
3: If you were here, how did you get there in the time that you said Question from person frantically looking at their phone and Google Maps.
2: You said you went out with him on Valentine's Day in 2014, and that it was a Thursday, but my Google Calendar tells me it was actually a
3: Tuesday. Oh no, I've been spotted.
2: <laughs> or so you said you were on a bicycling trip through Denmark, and that you ate peanut butter for breakfast, but people in Denmark don't eat peanut butter. Lies,
3: catch you at the break, guys. All right, everybody. Are you guys ready for the interrogation round? You got a lot of good questions? All right, great. Let's bring out our storytellers again in the order in which they told their stories. First up was Michael. Followed by Amy. Followed by Jessica. And last but not least, Poison Scott. All right. Take my glasses off. This is very simple. You ask the questions. Our storytellers give you the answers, and then uh, we make witty repartee between them, too. So, well, sir, you, right off the bat, let's go. Let's do this. Did you have to have a job in China to get married? Speak up, please. Uh, I will. Uh, I will, ma'am. Ma'am, I will repeat the question. Just so we're good, okay? The question again, sir. Do you have to have a job to get married in China? Do you have to be employed to get married in China? Now, are you a are you an expert in these matters? Are you or is this out of curiosity? I work for National Geographic. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> My father is a big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Michael, so do you need to uh,
4: be employed to get married in China? That's a very sharp question. Okay, Um, like the reason we need the human resource letter of introduction is because we didn't have driver license. In America, a driver license is your identity. In China, we didn't have cars, so we didn't have driver license. So who does the Department of Civil Affairs, how do they know where you are from? If you're employed, you'll get, a, you'll get a letter of introduction from your employer. If you're not employed, you have a place of residence. Right, in every resident, in every street, there is like this neighborhood, commute, uh, uh, neighborhood comi- committee. You'll get a letter of introduction from the neighborhood committees. That's my answer. <laughs> Did everyone get that?
3: That pretty much settles it. All right, uh, is there, Graham. Graham Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Graham, do you have a question? Uh, Scott, what was the name of the dive bar you went to the, uh, yeah. uh. Scott, where was this dive slash karaoke bar
0: this alleged incident took place at? An oasis in Washington, D.C. Recessions, anybody? Woo! Woo! You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Keeping it classy.
3: E- Erica. you got to be in the know. Erica. Amy. Question for Amy. What year were you on Match.com and what was your username? Whoa, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What year on Match and username, please?
5: I don't remember the year. I'm sorry. And my I, I, I don't remember the name either, but at one point it was juror number four. Because I got a summons and I'm like, fuck this. It's juror number four.
3: Juror <laughs> <laughs> number four. Well, 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 sir, you've had your question. Again, season premiere. Appreciate the enthusiasm, but let's spread the questions around a little bit. Who are you directing this question to? Question for Amy. Where was perfect? Where was the matchmaking facility lab located?
5: Um, It was actually near my sister, who lived in near Columbia, Maryland. So that's part of the reason I was just like, ah, uh, I would never go to Columbia. That's ridiculous. Oh, that's but since she lived out there, I just, what?
3: giving a shout out. Let's hear it for Columbia, Maryland.
1: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> sir. I'm curious. Oh, oh for Scott, just... Uh
3: How long ago were you able to do those moves? And can you you sing a little bit for us? Well, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to one-up you, sir, if, if you'll allow this. Maybe we should see some of those moves while you sing. Can someone use their mobile device to record this? Post this in the, the it, social medias. I'm on it, I'm on it,
0: I'm on it. All right, I'll, I, will go th- I will go through it very slowly for you. The beat drops.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, <here we> <laughs> Beer Bear, are you ready? Right <laughs> man, the
1: Roger
0: Girl, I must. <laughs> say something strange in my mind.
1: That's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> situation is. <laughs> That's pretty much
1: it. more money. She's driving me out of my mind.
3: I know. <laughs> I don't sing anymore. Mr. Columbia, Maryland himself. Yes, way back at the bar, sir. <laughs> Jessica. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the question is, is: Is the request may or may not have been classified by Jessica as a illegal request? This gentleman takes some exception. Could you perhaps?
6: No, I was just saying that I could only do what was legally allowed under law. I didn't say what the Teamsters did was illegal. So what would be that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that it was illegal
3: how that chihuahua may have been procured is a bit fuzzy. Like the chihuahua. Yes? Okay, for, this one is for
6: Jessica too. Question for is, Jessica. Yeah. What street in the Bronx oh. is the church on? <laughs> and
2: what street is the Vicky's bus Map question, map question.
3: We love map questions here at Perfect Lawyers Club. So where exactly in the Bronx was this church located?
6: Clarksville. I don't remember I mean like we really like we went to the Bronx just to shoot the movie and then you know we drove there in the production van and then left so yeah it wasn't a church though it was an abandoned um, like school. School, abandoned yeah, school
3: yeah if my father was here he'd be like oh that's on Revere Avenue <laughs> he was from the Bronx alright who's next yes in the back you. Um, so my question's for Amy. Question for Amy. So I work for a matchmaking company in D.C. What? Right? So I'm curious what, what the service was that, that
1: they were offering to you. Like, was it like a certain amount of dates? were
3: you just being set up with clients? Like what was the yeah. Well, okay, let me, let me uh, for this, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is unbelievable, because for a host of reasons, but
1: <laughs>
3: in our midst, we have an actual matchmaker. An actual, alleged matchmaker who wants to know a little bit more about the service offerings that uh, Amy was uh, shopping for. Okay,
5: first I'll confess, I don't remember the name. Perfect Partners was what I came up with. Maybe I should trademark it. But um, I didn't get that far. Okay, so what it was... and And someone asked the year was at least... I don't know, at least 15 years ago. I don't know. So I... I didn't get that far. I didn't want to be asked for any money. So I didn't want to get so deep into it that they actually started charging me. So so it was like, they said, here, you'll take this compatibility test. It's amazing, like I said. And it'll just magically be this formula that finds you the right guy. And that was really what they were pitching. Like, Like, we just really know how to match. And then, so I, re- I didn't get that far. As soon as I saw these dumbass questions, I was like, I do not trust this agency. I'm not giving them my money. So I don't know what they actually would have done.
3: I have to ask you a question. Do you, do you have a lab? <laughs> do you use science? I don't know about science. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I get it, yeah. Hurricanes aren't real, yeah.
2: So, so there are at least, there are at least two professional matchmakers here because I see Erica Etten up no, there. No, no, we have two. What are the odds? Two like, professional matchmakers here tonight? Is D.C. just full of matchmakers and I don't know it?
3: No. <laughs> do you guys know Patty Stanger? Oh, I want to be on that show. You're out of the club. I always do the millionaire matchmaker reference. No one gets it. Ah, thank you, thank you for your pity applause. All right. Let's get back to the questions. Yes. Next to the matchmaker. Um, why did your girlfriend not have to go to the emergency Uh yeah. Oh, Michael. is this for Michael? Yeah, Michael. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Sir, please have some decorum. <laughs> so the question is for Michael.
4: How come only the man had to go watch communist porn? Oh yeah. Uh, I was the only guy who were there by myself. All the others are couples and. I think at the time, my uh, my wife's, my my ex-wife, my girlfriend's hometown was in Shanghai and she was in Shanghai. Uh, I actually forgot why he wasn't there. Uh, But I went there by myself. Uh, That's the fact.
3: Maybe she should've watched some of that communist porn. (laughs) But I'm no matchmaker. Yes! Can't talk right now. <laughs> She's laughing. That I uh, just—that is a great question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in the in the four years of perfect liars club questions, that's, that's definitely in the top 25 percent. So and I this care. brings us
2: to my favorite part of the show, where all the men are gonna measure their flaccid penises on stage.
6: I, Amy, I, please
2: produce the ruler.
6: That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Question is—is is why did. Uh, <laughs> Why did Michael uh, say what his size was in inches when China goes by the metric system, (laughs) and what would it be
4: in metrics or centimeters? (laughs) Um, That's a very sharp question. The true answer is, I actually didn't pay attention to how much the size he wrote down, that's the true answer. Because I only became aware of penis size after I came to America. I, I only pretend how important it is to men after I came to America. So, so that part I embellish. Uh, just for, to get a laugh out of you guys. Wow.
3: Is it, Michael is a poll quote machine. I, this is gonna be all over our website. I didn't know about penis size until I came to America. Oh, man. Hashtag MAGA. You're welcome. <laughs> right there, hey, uh, Scott, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> Joel. What's up, Joel? Oh, okay, so yeah, what is the idea behind the pairing off and the Hitler mustache and what what happened?
0: Well, two things, just so you know. He was black, too. That was part of it, so. Uh, the second thing is I have no fucking idea why she went home or, or what happened. That's the answer. She shouldn't have gone home with that fucking dude. She should have, anyway.
1: anyway. You know, that girl
0: is poison, man.
1: Yes?
3: Perhaps it was the song selection that turned the tide in your case, Joel. Uh, uh,
0: that's a very sharp question. Um, However, I will say—oh, I I can repeat it. She wanted to know if perhaps uh, Michelle went home uh, with—I refer to him as Black Hitler's Blitler with Blitler. because of my song choice and I would say to you that um uh I I respectfully have a high conversion rate (laughs) from from this scenario that's all I will say that's all I'll say
3: so another science-based result yes Uh, question question for Amy You mean, how did you find it in terms of what your impression was, or... No, like, what search
1: engine, you uh, know, how, how did you get to Alta Vista. Dogpile.
3: So, uh, can you tell us about your search habits, Amy, and how you spend your lonely nights looking for dating sites?
5: I was definitely watching um, cat videos or porn. Um, no, I... So, it was a pop-up ad, and it's, it's been so, so I was on something. Either it came up like on my Yahoo, or I was on Crocs.com, we don't know, but it came up and was like, boop, boop, do you want to click this thing? And it was compelling at the time. So I clicked it, and then it took me to a place to fill out this form, and then they called me.
3: Did that, did that answer your question, though? You're good? Okay. I think Tom back there, I can't see through the lights, but I think Tom, you got a question, shout it out for us. Jessica, describe the dog. Jessica, can you describe the dog that was given to Mr. Mickey Rourke?
6: So no offense to any chihuahua owners here, but it was a chihuahua, therefore it was small and shook a lot.
3: (laughs) Yes. Amy. Uh, the question is for Amy and it is uh, cold sore guy rock bottom. How was that date?
5: I want, okay, I want to be clear. I'm not shaming people who have cold sores. It's the judgment to lead with that. Okay, like, like he could. two weeks later I would have had no idea. So I just want to be clear about that and absolutely not. I did not meet up with that guy.
3: But don't worry, because everyone goes home tonight with free abriva. <laughs> abriva. When do you got stuff on your mouth? Is that Ben Thomas back there with a question?
6: Jessica, did
3: you ever see the Chihuahua again? <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, did you ever see the Chihuahua again?
6: Not alive. <laughs> no, he took it home, like, the priest outfits, and they're probably in the same closet, the chihuahua and all the priest outfits.
3: Do you guys know who Mickey Rourke is? Yeah? Nine and a half weeks? Yeah. Okay. It was my first introduction to Mickey Rourke. Sir? Jessica. Question for Jessica. Besides Mickey Rourke, who is your favorite actor or actress on that movie, and why? Oh! Oh! <laughs> Good question, sir. So the question is, uh, what other actors and actresses were in this film that Jessica worked on, and among them, who was her favorite?
6: Well, I can answer that. Dan Futterman, if you were on IMDb a minute ago. uh, He was really nice, and uh, he actually, we, we became friends, and he agreed to be in a short movie I was gonna make. Um, Because, you know, when you're a PA, you're always trying to do that kind of stuff. And then he got booked on that show, Judging Amy. And he chose that over my independent short film. So before then, I loved him.
3: (laughs) I hated the way they judged Amy on that show. It was just so unfair. (laughs) Sir? Uh, For Jessica, did she live in New York City while she had that job? Were you living in New York City while you were a PA working in New York City?
6: Yeah, I lived in New York and Brooklyn and Jersey City. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't
3: know my answer. You lived in an abandoned church? <laughs> Any more questions? Uh, yes, uh, Miss Bartels. Uh, Jessica, it's a very simple
2: question about how tall is Mickey Moore Ooh. Without- <laughs> <laughs> and how many centimeters is his flaccid penis? <laughs> <laughs>
3: How tall is uh, Mickey Rourke uh, with the Buffon and without?
6: Yeah. First of all, Kara, I'm American. I don't know the metric system. <laughs> and uh, second of all, he is about yay tall. So. From here, how tall is he? Well, I'm like six foot, right? Is that? Yeah, Pierce. Yeah, Pierce looks like Mickey Rourke. <laughs> and totally, I'm talking like I'm talking nine and a half right. weeks, not the wrestler. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so I don't know, six six feet. Uh, six feet?
3: Everyone get that? I'm 5'10 for a point of reference.
2: Like an OK Cupid 5'10 or like a real 5'10? Oh, I was, <laughs> I was talking
3: about my flaccid. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Wait a minute. I saw. Some, all right, yes, end of table. You're looking at your phone. Notes. Oh, screenshot them and send them out. Thank you. Question. So, the question is regarding the layout of said matchmaker's office and why the desk was blocking the door along with the matchmaker.
5: I don't know why they made this choice, but I might need help here. So, so the door was... Okay. Okay. Let's say the door was here. I walked into the door. And will you help me? And then she was like, oh, okay, well, okay, you be me. She's like, okay, okay, welcome, welcome. And then she's like, seats me around here. Sit. And she goes back to her desk. Here's this desk person. There's a little bit of a ways. The door's over here. Does that make sense? It doesn't? I mean, I don't know why they made that design choice. Maybe they have to head people off all the time.
3: (laughs) Do you work in office design? Have you been in an office before?
2: (laughs) No, the real question is, have you ever been a woman in your late 30s who's into strong-arm, high-pressure sales with a dating services coach? Because I have, and those bitches are aggressive. (laughs) Ask me how much money it's just lunch has of mine and how many dates I went on. $3,000 and one.
3: That's an expensive lunch, Kara.
2: Yeah, you still have to pay for the lunch. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm single. It was not like the date ended in marriage.
3: What was that? Lobster Thermidor? I mean, yeah. what did you have?
2: It was terrible.
3: And it was in fucking Roslyn. Uh, another city in the kakistocracy. It must be stopped. It's almost as bad as Alicante City. All right. One more question. And it's you. Question for Michael. The question is genitalia-based. If Michael had to show them his, why didn't his future ex-wife have to show them hers? Michael? She
4: went through the same things. Hmm? She she went through the same uh same she has to uh, go through the uh like the education as well, and then she got examined as well and mm, I actually forgot I actually forgot uh when did that happen, but she has to show the proof that she passed that and then we can get the certificate together yes. and yeah the thing is that you know' it's my she 's my She's my uh, ex-wife, so, you know, I'm trying to erase her. (laughs) So, a lot of detail, I I actually don't, (laughs) I just try very hard to record some some details. (laughs) Well, on that happy note. (laughs) Thank you so much for your questions. You've got two or three
3: minutes to deliberate amongst your friends, and then we're gonna put this to a vote, all right? Two or three minutes, talk amongst yourselves. One vote, one person. All right, ladies and gentlemen. You guys feeling good about the person you've selected? Feeling confident in your vote? All right. Where we do this is one vote, one person by a hand raise, which I know isn't scientific like matchmaking, but bear with us. So. If you think Michael was tonight's liar, please raise your hand. That would be 11. 11 for Michael. If you thought Amy is tonight's liar, please raise your hand. 52. 52. If you thought Jessica tonight's liar raise your hand 20 20 for jessica and if you thought scott who occasionally goes by joel 25 25
2: wow okay pierce could i could i editorialize here i'd like to get a couple man on the street interviews about why people voted the way they did i'm here today with macy and randall who love me and follow me everywhere and they both went Amy. Would you like to tell us why you think Amy is a liar? This
1: is
6: unexpected. I. <laughs> um, I don't. For me, I, I think I was trying to do a process of elimination, and I was thinking that I believed certain people more than other people. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I. Again, unscientific. I apologize for Did you that. You your gut on this one. No. <laughs> That's a yes. I wish. I wish I had a gut. Uh, we've been coming to a lot of these shows, all of the shows this year that we knew about. Thank you. You're welcome. And w- we never get it right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I just think that her story is bland enough to be a (laughs) lie. Well, thank you.
3: Thank you. We appreciate the candor from you guys. Round of applause for these guys. All right, you guys want to find out who tonight's liar is? You really want to find out who tonight's liar is? All right, first we're going to do plugs, and then we're going to reveal.
2: Perfect Liars Club is produced by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. To find shows like this one and more, go to GoatRodeoDC.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC.
3: Keep an ear out for us. Perfect Liars Club can be seen live the first Wednesday of every month at the Beer Baron Tavern in Washington, D.C.'s DuPont Circle neighborhood. To find tickets, photos, T-shirts, and more, go to perfectliarsclub.com, or if social media is more your thing, you can find us on the Twitters at Perfect Liars DC, Instagram at Perfect Liars Club DC, and on the Book of Faces, a.k.a. Facebook, at Perfect Liars DC. Um, So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You guys want to find out who the liar is? Can I get a drum roll, please? Will tonight's liar please step forward? Wow. wow. It is Scott. Scott is the lion. Oh, guys, I was really pulling for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for being at our season premiere. We'll see you next month. Don't forget to take care of your bar staff. Have a good night. Perfect
1: Liars Club.
2: All right, all right, all right, friends and lovers. That was it. Your first Perfect Liars Club. Did you get it right? You
1: Probably
3: not.
2: No one ever gets it right, though. Don't feel bad about
3: yourself. No, everyone thought it was Amy.
2: Everyone thought it was Amy. I mean,
3: everyone thought it was Amy. Yeah. And it was Scott. It was Scott. Who knew? Karaoke. (laughs)
2: Karaoke. Suspicious. If you haven't heard quite enough of my dulcet tones, you can find me on YouTube at Kara, the number 4N. Kara 4N. Get it? That's clever. It's like my name. Uh, I also tell stories around town at Story District, The Moth, and wherever else they'll have me.
3: Or you can find me, Pierce McManus, at the very original piercemcmanus.com.
2: And I own Caraforin.com, but so far no one's offered to build me a website yet, so I don't have it.
3: That's not true at all.
2: So far, Pierce offered to build me a website, but I never gave him the content, so it's not live <laughs> yet, but it's coming soon. <laughs> and we want to thank Goat Rodeo, Beer Baron, um, our pals at 730dc.com that do a great job of promoting for us, and dcs.com, RIP.
3: Rest in peace, DCist.
2: Big thank you to our storytellers who work really hard on these stories and give it their all on our stage.
3: Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Michael, Amy, Jessica, and Scott for being our storytellers tonight.
2: Shout out to Layla, our founder and creator. makes you rise in power.
3: Yeah, and here's a tip. Uh, Perfect Liars London and Perfect Liars Tel Aviv is happening in the not-too-distant future. So- Perfect Liars Tokyo. Perfect Liars Tokyo is going to continue as well. So not only are we taking over your earbuds and your uh, podcasters, we're taking over the world.
2: And also, while we're at it, a big thank you to Story District where we both got our start. Yeah.
3: And uh, thank you, Kara.
1: Thank you, Pierce. Love you.
2: you. Love you.